podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. It has been a challenging beginning to 2021. One of the memes that's going around uh, and actually came out just the first week of the year was a man giving a toast saying, well, 2021, we gave you five days. Here's to 2022. And of course, one of the big events over the last two weeks has been the incursion into the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C., something that I'm sure many of us never thought we would see in our lifetimes. One of the people that was part of the the riot or the incursion or the protest or whatever you decide you want to call it, the insurrection, was somebody who asked if this was God's will. Not like in the weeks after, the days after, or the time before, but as he was approaching the Capitol itself. And his name was Doug Sweet. And he was a Virginian, as in Virginia is for lovers, and was planning on attacking the building. He says he hesitated before he entered the Capitol. He wanted to, quote, consult God first. And so he prayed aloud, Lord, is this the right thing to do? Is this what I need to do? And according to a Wall Street Journal reporter, he said he felt God's hand on his back, pushing him forward. I checked the Lord, he said. I checked with him three times and I never heard a no. There's a part of me that wonders if that's how the Thursday night before Easter felt for Judas. I checked with the Lord and he told me this is what I needed to do. An event like this brings to the forefront a question that's often theologically academic in some people's minds, but in fact, it is the most critical question for our life as Christians. Where do we go to hear a word from the Lord? Where do we go to see the vision of the Lord, to see him at work? Getting the answer to that question right is critical. And as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, the consequences of getting that answer wrong can turn out to be deadly. In our first reading for this morning, we have people who are looking for the word of God. Because, according to the writer of 1 Samuel, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. People weren't hearing the word of God, and they weren't seeing the Lord at work. And you have to ask yourself this first question, whose fault was that? If the church isn't hearing the word of God, I can assure you where the blame will be laid correctly, which is with the pastor who's been called and set aside by the Lord to ensure that his word is heard. So in this particular case, the fault lies with the prophet, the priest, the judge, the one whom the Lord has set aside to bring his word to the people, to demonstrate where he is at work and to make it visible to them. And this particular case in 1 Samuel, that person is Eli. Part of Eli's problem is that he is stuck in the temple, the tabernacle at the time. There's no actual temple built yet, but there is the tent of meeting. 
Eli was not exactly one to be out among the people. He was kind of a come and visit me at my office sort of priest and prophet. And not only that, but he let his sons, who were to be his successors, have their way in more ways than one. He let them have their way with the women, the altar guild, who were called to serve at the tabernacle. First Samuel chapter 2, the writer says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, not for, to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Not only that, but Eli wasn't particularly great at pastoral counseling. He finds a woman in the tabernacle, pleading, begging with God, and rather than coming and comforting her and speaking to her the words of the Lord, he assumes she's drunk. The woman's name was Hannah. And as she continued praying before the Lord, 1 Samuel 1 records, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. So Eli, instead of saying, here's a woman in distress, took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. No wonder the people weren't hearing the word of the Lord or seeing a place where they could find the Lord at work. So the Lord raises up Samuel to be the new prophet, to succeed, to seed Eli and his sons and to succeed in the mission that Eli was given, which he failed at, to bring the word of the Lord out to the people. And so Samuel does go out, visiting them from one corner of Israel to the other, goes out to all the leaders, anoints Saul to be king over Israel, even when the Lord says Saul is probably a very poor choice. He knows Jesse and his sons, goes out to visit and anoint David to be the successor to Saul. Samuel brings the word of the Lord out to the people so that they can hear it and demonstrates the work of the Lord before the people so they can see it. In our gospel reading, we have a very similar situation where people are hungering and thirsting to hear and see the word of the Lord. And at that time, a lot of the Jewish leadership was somewhat stuck in a rut, a little bit like Eli. The Sadducees, for sure. Sadducees were all about Jerusalem and all about the temple. You want to hear the word of the Lord? You want to see the Lord at work? You come to us. Come to the temple and fulfill your obligations. And by the way, while you're there, make sure to drop your mites in the mite box. And what did the Lord have to say when the people went to the temple to listen to the Sadducees? Do this. Do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Be good. Conceal. Don't feel. Go through the motions. That is the word of the Lord for you. Now, to be sure, the Pharisees were somewhat better. The Pharisees were the Jewish group that took the word of the Lord out to the villages. They were the architects, literally and figuratively, of the synagogue movement of making places out in the countryside where people could go to hear the word of the Lord, to see God at work. But there was still, in the land of Israel, a deep hunger and thirst for God. 
and his word. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. And so God calls John the Baptist, the one who begins the season of Epiphany, right? And where does John the Baptist go? He goes out and plants himself at the river that marked the boundary between slavery and the promised land, the Jordan River, the crossing over point where people saw the Lord at work in parting the Jordan and allowing the people to cross through. John the Baptist goes out to the wilderness of Judea, which is both a geographic place, but also description of the entire land. It is a desert of God's word. And it is from John the Baptist's disciples that Jesus calls his first followers, like the ones we saw in our exit for the gospel, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and of course, Philip. And as they came to know Jesus and saw in him the word of God made flesh, they got excited. So much so that Philip ran to Bethsaida, his hometown, and found his friend Nathaniel and said, come and see what the Lord has done amongst us. The word for which we have hungered and thirst for so many centuries has now come. Which brings us, of course, to Nathaniel, who says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? To which Philip responds by saying, come and see. That brings us back to poor Doug Sweet and so many people like him who are desperately looking for the word of God, who want to hear and see the word of God. And believe me, the Lord wants us to hear and see his word as well. The question is not, does he want to, but where can it be heard and seen? Think of what happens with Samuel and Eli. We would all like to be like Samuel, wouldn't we? Have the Lord call us out by name? Charles, Charles, here I am. And that's how Doug and many, many, many other people, maybe even some of you, think that God operates by direct phone line. That God will whisper in your ear and tell you what to do. But even Samuel, who did have the Lord speak to him directly, received confirmation that it was in fact the Lord from none other than Eli, the priest and prophet that he's going to replace. It's by coming back to Eli the third time that he perceived, Eli, that the Lord was the one calling the boy. And it was Eli who confirmed that it was the Lord and not just, say, the neighbors next door that were being a little bit loud. Because what Samuel had heard was what Eli had already heard as well, Eli was able to confirm that it was, in fact, God speaking. Eli had already been told in the previous chapter that the Lord was going to turn on his house because of the way he had allowed his sons to abuse their office without disciplining them. Nathaniel's the same. The Holy Spirit doesn't whisper in Nathaniel's ear and say, you need to come and see Jesus. God works through Philip, real, live, flesh and blood person who is the one to go to Nathanael and say, come and see, we have found the Messiah. And when Nathanael hears the words of Jesus, 
I saw you while you were under the fig tree. Even Jesus says to him, did you believe simply because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree while you sat there at midday reflecting on the word of God, doing as every good Jewish male should do, wrapping your phylacteries around your hands and meditating on God's law? Jesus says, you will see even greater things than these that will confirm that I am in fact the one that Philip says I am and that you have now confessed me to be. So what about us? What about all of us who are here in this world, hungry and thirsty for a word from the Lord? It's still the Lord who calls, but you were called through others. Somebody else brought you to come and see the word of God. Might it be a parent? Grandparent, friend, niece, nephew, child, somebody at some point invited you directly or indirectly to come and see and thus to hear the word of God. And what Jesus promised to Nathaniel has come to pass. There are now greater things than these that we now have that even John and James and Peter and Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel did not yet have. We have the Gospels. We have the entire count of what God has done for us in Christ from beginning to end. From the miraculous announcement of the angel to Mary that she would give birth to one who would be the savior of his people. And the dream that Joseph saw. From Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. The father speaking. The spirit descending like a dove. Jesus' entire ministry. The miracles. The raising of the dead. The curing of the blind and the lame and the deaf. The feeding of the 5,000. Through to his crucifixion for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. We have the whole package deal that even John and James and Andrew and Peter and Philip and Nathaniel did not yet have in the gospel for this morning. You and I have the gift of rebirth and renewal in the Holy Spirit, the gift of baptism that even they did not have, baptism into the name of Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the fellowship and the care of the saints, each other, where we gather together when we can for the Lord's Supper, that we pray for each other, that we visit one another. When Gail or Veronica or me or Emily or any of you show up on someone's door, ring the doorbell or knock the door and you open the door, do you recognize your Lord coming to visit you, coming to announce to you the good news and to bring it to you visibly? Indeed, we have greater things than these still today. The word of the Lord we have whenever we gather together. But we don't prize it anymore. And even our culture does not recognize that even right now here on Zoom, the word of the Lord is coming to them. The visions are not rare, but they are here amongst us. That was one of the greatest insights of Martin Luther, so great that it was the very last thing he preached before he died. In his last sermon, which was preached only a handful of days before the Lord called him home, Luther had this to say about the word of God and where to find it, how to know that God is indeed speaking to you and announcing his good and gracious will. 
he wrote and preached. In times past, we would have run to the ends of the world if we had known of a place where we could have heard God speak. But now that we hear this every day in sermons, indeed now that all books are full of it, we do not see this happening. You hear at home in your house, father and mother and children sing and speak of it. The preacher speaks of it in the parish church. You ought to lift up your hands and rejoice that you have been given the honor of hearing God speaking to us through his word. Oh, people say, what is that? After all, there's preaching every day, often many times every day, so that we soon grow weary of it. What do we get out of it? All right, go ahead, dear brother, Luther preaches. If you don't want God to speak to you every day at home, in your house, and in your parish church, then be wise and go look for something else. In Trier is our Lord God's coat. In Aachen are Joseph's pants and our Blessed Lady's chemise. Go there, squander your money, buy indulgences and the Pope's secondhand junk. These are valuable things. You have to go far for these things, spend a lot of money, leave house and home standing idle. There sits the decoy duck in Rome with his bag of tricks luring to himself the whole world with its money and goods. And all the while, anybody can go to baptism, the sacrament, and the pulpit. How highly honored and richly blessed we are to know that God speaks with us and feeds us with his word, gives us his baptism and the keys. And yet barbarous and godless people say, what? Baptism? Sacrament? God's word? Joseph's pants. That's what does it. Have you not heard the Lord speak? Can you not tell your friends and neighbors that you have seen the vision of God's presence? I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. To God on high be glory and peace to all the earth, goodwill from God in heaven proclaimed at Jesus' birth. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Take and drink. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. Every Sunday, and Wednesday, and other times during the week, God is speaking. He is present. We don't have to listen to the wind, run to Rome or some special shrine, go into a trance or meditate in order to see and hear God. When God calls us on Sunday morning, God calls us on Wednesday night, or whenever God calls us, we can simply answer, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.